Sometimes I feel like I'm an apologist for albums that people don't like. Those big bands who, of course, always made albums that maybe were outside their comfort zone or fans feel that things weren't really humming at that time. And they happen to be usually my favourite albums. So, for instance, my favourite David Bowie album It's a close run thing, but it's never let me down. An album which is disliked intensely by a lot of fans. My favourite Queen album, a band I loved growing up and still really like to revisit, is their disco album, Hot Space, which is not even, it's more than hated by by fans. They almost don't regard it as being part of the Queen canon. And the same is true with Folky, proggy, pompy, classic rock wonders, Jethro Tull. This may be because it's the album that I first entered, and it's very late, but first entered their oeuvre. oeuvre. But I want to make a bit of a stand for under wraps. First of all, let's address the main issue. Ian Anderson used a drum machine on this album and I know I know it sounds very 80s thin and splashy I know that but once you get used to that and and I do get used to it once you get used to it it allows him to do all sorts of other things you know the he was coming to this music anyway through a and his first solo album you know and he really enjoys himself on this album and I think that the the uh, drum machine allows him to go off on tangents and to add splashes of vocal intricacy or you know w- words and phrases more of that in a bit but it does split fans this album you know David Pegg said that Songs from Broadsword and the Beast might have been better, you know. Um, that, you know, that weren't used on Broadsword and the Beast might have made a better album. But Martin Barre, Mr. Martin Lancelot Barre, is, um, regards this as one of his best, his favourite Tull albums, which is great to hear. It didn't do badly when released. It was in the lower reaches of the, of the Billboard Top 100. But, and it got to number 18. In fact, the single got to number 30. Lap, lap of luxury, It's, I, I think it's got a lot more than people give it credit for. People also decry John, uh, Peter John Vitesse's, um, Vitesse's work here, you know, because people thought that, 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 that he pushed things to through his keyboard work and through his interest in more current sounds in the mid 80s pushed them to that sort of sound and that may be the case but you know i think it's great that they took that on board and had a go at that you know it's i think that that ian anderson has always well I, i think he's always been interested in pushing the boundaries but i think he's always been interested in thinking well I don't want to be left behind. And he certainly wasn't. This is a really current album um, of the time. You know, it's uh, 
they of course used a live drummer when they played live um, but I think the drum machine as I say allows space here it's a really playful album this and all of those odd little bits of um, of Ian Anderson frippery vocally you know for instance on um, on things like automotive engineering you know Professor Ferdinand birdie, 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 you know and tra la la all that kind of stuff General Crossing which is about it is ostensibly a very portentous uh, you know um, track around subtle artillery of moving from one side to another in the Cold War you've got you know bang bang alright yeah I mean it, this stuff constantly keeps me interested stuff pops through you know astronomy when you've got the you know sit back and count the stars one two three four five six seven eight. and then you get the the music back in and then later you get 17 18 19 it's beautiful the rush of nobody's car heat just is is almost like a sort of miami vice type type mixed with a, a spy feel difficult to decry that kind of stuff when it's so alive this is not formulaic this sounds like stuff that's really um, vital and that you know by going for this album and I think that A is a little warmed over in that way it's a transitional album which is and we'll put some more synths in here but we still sound like we did before this really goes for it you know, having under wraps, which is, I mean, the whole song is about, you know, um, keeping secrets and spying and all sorts of stuff around that. But the kind of, um, the kind of sort of conversation of under wraps, you know, um, keep it quiet, go slow, you know, circulate, you know, all that kind of stuff. Uh, under wraps one and two, the, the, the more acoustic version with the tambourine. It's beautiful because it's the conversation of, I'll tell you when, not yet. You know, the, the, he's having a, it, it's more a narrative in his mind and it's beautiful, the feeling of that. And he can also have, you know, a coruscating attack on in paparazzi, for instance. You know, see paparazzi tears. No one came in today from Boston or Tangiers. It's beautifully simple. And the whole thing is, continues in that vein. The lyrics here are really clear. Lyrics here, really clear. Oh, how marvellous. But it's the playfulness that I love, really. You know, the um, the, the, the single, um, one of the singles, Radio Free Moscow, is, it has, has a really kind of beautiful harmony on it and, you know, a, a, a kind of, in a way, a double singing feel. You got quite a lot of that. You can lay back with European Legacy, which has nice flute work in it as well. And then later that same evening, which is a, a sort of um, Eastern European, before the wall came down, of course, this Eastern European sort of um, report, you know, with a, with a really plaintive chorus in it. And then they can rush through with Saboteur, which has got far more of a rock riff to it. You're not going to get very many rock riffs in this or very many big rock solos as far as the guitars go because this is a keyboard album. 
but it has a real personality because of that. And I think it stands out in Jethro Tull's music because of that. I think he was, you know, I've always been interested in the specific um, way that Ian Anderson writes and the specific personalities he writes for. Here, you know, you've got multiple personalities jumping around here. There's a real narrative. It's almost like a sort of film soundtrack because of all the different kinds of vocal vocal tics and discussions that are ha happening in these in these songs and he was all he's always been a little odd you know what you know one of my old one of my other favorite Tull albums is um is too old to rock and roll too young to die and you know you you have that that's out on a ledge uh, uh, in a way he he likes to do this kind of thing Ian Anderson and he certainly did with this album I think it should be celebrated for that he really pushes um, the sound of the day goes for broke and I think he really pulls it off all that with a drum machine he made it work it was something he, he, he that I think he did because it was something he had to do at the time to get the album made and he carried on with it he didn't say we'll have a drum machine then we'll bring the drummers in no we'll do this because it gives him so much space to do other things and to play around with that sound it's a five out of five for me because it's a wonderful album. I know it's polarizing, but I think people should give it another listen. It's just great music of its time. And with the 80s making a comeback musically, maybe this one will be reappraised. But I won't hold me breath. Ta-ta.